Hello, everybody, and welcome. You are listening to episode 46, incredibly, of the Talking Talkie podcast. Uh, I am Matt in a very rainy Manchester. I'm joined by another Matt, also in a very rainy Manchester. Matt Hayward is here. Hello. Hello. Uh, and we've got Sam Swan on as well, following some IT bloopers. He's uh, managed to get online. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm better now. Excellent. Good news. Um, two of us, the two mats, were at Wrexham yesterday. Uh, Sam was uh, listening on the radio, so we're going to have a little conversation about that. That's all the new stuff you're getting from us today, because we are, when we finish talking, you're going to hear the second half of our interview with Liam Davis. So stick around for that. Um, if you can live with like 20 minutes of three people talking about a game that everybody knows all about. Um, I was there. I enjoyed it. I had a nice time. Haywood, was that your view as well? I had, I had, a, I had a really good day um, and I enjoyed sort of the experience of the match more so than I enjoyed watching the name of football, to be honest. Um, I think on the pitch, both teams weren't very good at all um, and offered very little going forward. Um, but uh, it sort of didn't really matter because it was really fun and we sort of ruined someone's day and it was, it was great, really. That's all you can ask for. Isn't it from a from a game of football? If if you can't be good, at least spoil it for everyone else. Exactly that, and you know there were ten thousand people there, really excited to watch their team, and um, and they had their chips pissed on Michael Lemon Evans, and that's just one of the greatest things about football, really. I think. Yeah, it's, it's the reason I went. I almost didn't go when it was uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I hadn't got a ticket, and then I saw the, the thing about Wrexham have asked for the tickets back. Almost when ah, Wrexham are really good, and they'll probably beat us. And I, I've got other things to do on a rainy Saturday, and I, went, I said to P, "No, ring, ring, um, Torquay, see if there's any tickets left." And she did. She got us two. I'm really glad I went now because that was so good. It wasn't quite Ben Winter against Woking, obviously, but it was still pretty good. Just waiting for the watching the cross coming, knowing that we've been turd all afternoon. We've been rubbish. Yeah. And we were going to pinch a point. Well, I say pinch a point, like we didn't deserve one. What both teams deserve really is a fine of about 25 grand for impersonating football clubs. Yeah, they need relegation, really. It was, it was yeah. yeah. It, 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 it was points on, from each side for being just crap. Just going, yeah. you're on minus one each for a for a nil-nil draw to go home and try again next week. Force a replay, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. If both teams are sufficiently rubbish, they have to replay again the next day. And they go yeah, again. Say it has to be it has to be the next day and with no fans and just get on with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Find out about the score next week. And there's no, you know, just whatever. That's a great idea. If if the, I don't know who the head of the FA is now, but if you're listening, um please, you know, I, I wouldn't ask much to sell you that idea. So Pick it up, pick up the phone, you know where I am. Um, Swanee, what was it like on the radio? Because it was actually good being there. (laughs) Did that convey that it was good fun but rubbish game? Yeah, so basically TUFC Radio was down, so I ended up joining the Wrexham one, which is really funny because you keep forgetting that you should be getting excited when they're miserable. (laughs) Uh, And it's really funny listening to them when we scored. But it just sounded awful. I mean, it wasn't their first goal long for her anyway. Or their only goal. But it just... It really did not sound good until we made the changes. Lapsy and the two wingers came on. And then, it, you know, I heard Johnson getting the ball a lot. So that gives me faith. And I did feel like something was coming, but we've had this so much with Torquay where 
you start bad and you're 1-0 and you go and go and you think, oh, we could play all night, we're not going to score. But when that goal went in, I was actually a bit surprised we sat back from the sounds of it, like the time wasting kicked in. So I thought they're there for the taking. Like they've got all the pressure. That is like the perfect game for us yesterday was Wrexham away. Like you couldn't have a more perfect game than all that pressure on them. They've got, you know, Phil Parkinson's come in. He's, he's been there, done it before, but he has failed the last few times and they just don't seem to be like a unit, you know, and the, the non-league is just so different to any other league. You can't just throw a league or league two players at it and expect to go through it. And that's the problem they've got right now. That's right. I, I tweeted at half-time that a decent team would win this 3-1 and a decent team yeah. on either side would have won that 3-1. Yeah. Yeah. Both teams are rubbish. So, yeah, um, yeah it, they're, they're probably... You could put it down as a, as a missed opportunity that we didn't go and mm. take three points, but we really didn't deserve it. We were no, no, and I'm buzzing with the point. Put it out there. I'm yeah, absolutely exactly. delighted with that point. Yeah, on paper, it's a it's a, a bit, I won't say a good team. It's a big team away from home. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely of them, so it's fair enough. And like we did at Chesterfield and Notts County, and that's yeah. a nice pattern to have. I think of going to teams that are going to be looking at the top end of the table and being, mm. if not good, resilient and maybe a bit fortunate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We don't look playoff contenders. I don't think at this stage. Not quite yet. No. Um, not against those teams, anyway. No. But no, not again. That's the thing. If mm. what, what we did well last year was we beat the good side. We beat Hartlepool away. We beat Sutton away. Uh, where we lost out was Dagenham and Redbridge. They took six points off us. Yeah. And that would have won us the title. Two routine two nil wins against Cannon Fodder at the bottom of the, t- at, at the table. We'd be in League Two now. Mm. And we would have been from March or you know, early April, whenever. We didn't get those, but we we beat the, the good sides last year. And that really here is another one of those sort of non-league things is you can kind of, everybody's going to beat Dover. Everybody's going to beat Kings Inn. Everybody's going to beat Wealdstone. Everyone apparently is going to beat Aldershot and Southend. I wasn't expecting those two, but mm. they are. And it's just a shame there aren't like eight or nine relegation places this year and we could get rid of a load of real crap out the bottom of the league and get some decent sides in. But the um, the the thing that separates teams that are going to finish right at the top and teams that are going to finish just in the playoffs and where probably where we are about 10th and then go, is how they do against the sides at the top. We've played quite a few of the sides at the top which is interesting. I think we've had a pretty tough start on paper and it's fairly linear. The ones in, at the very yeah. top, we've sort of lost to Chesterfield aside at point there. The ones kind of in the middle, I think we've drawn with broadly. I know Woking was, um, doesn't fit into that mould. There are a couple of places, I think, above us and they hammered us. And the teams at the bottom, South End, we've beaten uh, Kingsley and we beat it's fairly linear. You can sort of plot where we are based on who we've beaten and the results we've got with teams around us. So that I think is the season we're in for. Is this the famous mid-table mediocrity? I think it might for the first time. It has to be. Yeah. It might be. This is what mid-table, this is what Boreham would do every year. <laughs> they draw two-thirds of their games. They win some, they lose some, they finish 12th. Okay. Is that what we're in for? I think we probably it is. feels really weird because they said the table doesn't lie, but as you say, it really doesn't lie because is it 14th is exactly where we should be because we are a class above, yeah. ones at the bottom. But then if you look at all the like the top seven, eight, we've been battered by half of them. I personally only really have started looking at the since like McDonald's came in, since um they've come in. We we're still a bit more top half because I 
not been funny, but the first few, like the Wokens when you've got Hulsters and Omar's, I kind of feel like, you know, that was always going to happen. But I kind of judge us from when we've got McDonald in, we've been a bit more solid and he sounded really good yesterday. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it might be a mid-table season. I feel like we're creeping up, we can improve. I mean, as long as we get to mid-table, 12th by Christmas or whatever, but it'd be nice just to go into the last 10, 15 games. I think we could get a run. But um, I kind of feel like this year's going to be a mid-table season. For now, it could definitely go upwards, um, onwards and upwards. But uh, next season, I just hope Johnson gives it another go with all the caps coming in mm. and it's going to cause Rexons and everyone hell. That I think next season, if we build it, have a bit of a rejig around there's a few players I think need to leave that have been with us a while but I'm definitely feeling positive now I don't feel like it's just going to burn out to a poor season I feel with Troy uh not Troy John uh what's his face coming in from uh the Plymouth lads yeah him coming in is just such a statement it's like wow okay we've got a league one league two style uh standard player we're not giving in just yet you know I feel now that the sort of post playoffs sort of players have gone which we couldn't get, obviously. There's going to be a good players coming in that haven't got the clubs they probably desire to get in League One, League Two, and that can start coming down to Torquay and sort of our level, and that's where we sort of build and build for until the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I was... I think if you'd asked three or four weeks ago, are we looking at a mid-table finish? I'd have said I'd probably take it. Yeah. Um, I think that we've made sort of... Since McDonald, we've made four other signings. Mm-hmm. Dye, Perrett, Armstrong and more. If, if my... Uh, brief note taken there is correct. <laughs> all of those, all of those make our squad and first eleven a lot better. Yeah, that, that makes five. And uh, I don't. I, I think Gary said it um, a while ago. Now he said if we can get to Christmas in the top half or, or around there, then he'd be comfortable with that, and we can have, hopefully have a little run. And you only need to finish seventh. Um, and I don't see. I don't see why we couldn't finish seventh. I think we are quite average but you only need to be quite average to finish seventh um at, at this mm. level yes you and a hell of there's a hell of a lot of rubbish um if if Wrexham are one of the best teams in the league then there is a hell of a lot of rubbish in this league yeah they, they are there is absolutely no way on earth that they are winning the league they are they are genuinely pish and it's quite funny to see really yeah um, they were terrible they did nothing but a long throw they literally created nothing Apart, well, and corners, um, both things that we could work on, I believe. But um, they're creating nothing at all, and they've got big bastards, and that's fine. But you need, you do need more than that. Yeah, I, I said that, said to Pete, well, when we were watching, I said, imagine being Wrexham and having what is a functionally unlimited budget. If mm. the rumours about Mullins' salary are even half true, even if they're exaggerated by a hundred percent, they're still paying a bloke in the non-league five grand a week there's a quarter of a million a year it's that's more than i earn that's more than about eight nine ten eleven talkie players probably yeah it would not surprise me if what's the average talkie player on 35k and this guy's mm. on a quarter of a million quid you know it's you, you minimum you might be mm. on half a million if the, the 10 grand a week rumor is correct yeah half a million quid a year i mean that's just and that's the style of football that Parkinson's gone for. He's gone for we're not going to have we're not going to be good. We're not going to be not going to have any real talent. What we're going to do is sign a bloke who can throw it a really long way, 
and just hope. And to by the way, by the way, you could do nothing else. I did. I saw. I saw him do nothing, Toza, all all afternoon. That's all true. he does was trot over to the sideline, get his towel out, chuck, thanks for coming. See you next time. It. It's the same as that um, Exodus uh, record. The left back, Jamie. Yeah, he was two years ago. They were raving about him and yeah. saying. He is one of our better players. Provided records on the pitch, we'll probably keep clear, etc. They hate him. They can't stand him because apparently the standard of the player they've signed has gone up. All he played in front of us second half because obviously he's a left back. Gets the ball, hits the same eighty-yard diagonal to nobody that he hits all afternoon, and it doesn't work any time. You can sign literally any players that you want from the two or even the three divisions above us, if you get somebody rubbish from a Doncaster or somebody small, and they've chosen a, no nothing. Where's the money going? Yeah, it's mental. It was always what I used to ask about Exeter City. Where does the money go? Because mm. year after year, they would sign something. They'd get Liverpool in the cup, and then they'd, sign, they'd sell somebody for three million quid. And their balance sheet would say, right, here's nine million pounds we've made. And then they'd be fannying about finishing 18th in League Two. Where does the money go? Well, like Newport as well. Think of all the runs they've won in years. And done well, yeah, I'd take being like a playoff-bound League Two team. But you think, you know, it, it's a bit, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. It must be more expensive than I think to do sort it of what be, Bournemouth yeah. and Swansea have yeah, done. Yeah. You know, with two two teams that I've seen us play when we should have beaten Bournemouth, obviously the Mr. Singh game. <laughs> um, and I think I've seen us beat Swansea. Yeah, we beat Swansea. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, how much money must it have cost them to go up? And Brentford to beat Brentford. Not and Brentford, yeah. To do what they've done. I mean, you know, you think that like, to get up to the top of League One, I suppose, you know, 20 million quid. You think Yeovil as well under Gary Johnson, I think. Well, that, there's a Gary Johnson effect. See how much they come tumbling down as well. It, it's Football's such an up and down thing. Five years, you can look at clubs now, and five years, they'll be on the up, five years, they'll be on the down. Like, it's unbelievable how long like a year is in football. Yeah, yeah that's true. Look at us. I keep meaning to look where respective clubs were this time last year, how many points they had. Mm. And God knows that we must have had what have we played 14 we beat Artley Pool 5 0, I think, a year ago yesterday. I think I saw Did somewhere. We? So yeah. we were top then, yeah. and we probably had about 34 points yeah. like that. You know, they lost 5 0 yesterday, but I'd take them losing 5 0 and being League Two. So. Yeah. That'd do me, yeah. I'd be well <laughs> that. Uh, I feel we've got a little bit off topic of Wrexham, so we should just quickly talk about Byron Moore, um, just because mm-hmm. he's. Obviously joined this week, yeah. and I thought even from I wanted to play about twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, you could tell he'd played at a decent level. Like I thought, just in the way, just in the way he sort of held himself when he had the ball, he was so composed mm-hmm. and calm when he had when he had possession, um, and he made intelligent runs. And I just thought he, he probably isn't fit because he probably hasn't played any football in the last uh, many months. But um, in terms of ability and in terms of uh, football and intelligence, I think that's a very good sign. I think he's, uh, uh, well, I mean, we started the game without any winners, so but, but, he's, but he's an upgrade in, in, in almost every centre. Really. I think he looks a really good footballer if we can get him fit. And, um, and you know, there's a massive caveat that um, everyone we sign gets injured, but you know, if, if we can get him fit, he's a good footballer, I think, and a good sign. 
Yeah, and Adai coming back as well. I thought when he had gone for a few weeks, I worried that he had just gone off. But um, no, he, I love him whenever you get, I love players that you get the fans excited. Even if it doesn't work, they get the fans excited and scares the opposition just with raw exactly, pace and talent. So exactly what he did. He, he came on and within a minute, he had the ball on the right wing and he just knocked it past their left back, ran round him despite giving him a five-yard start, cross corner, thanks for coming. And, and yeah. We haven't done that all game, you know. We no. haven't actually asked we haven't done that all season. No, not really. We haven't done it all season. That's the problem. I think when we get those players back, that's all we did last season. We'd do it all game, and then two or three times it would work. We'd score, we'd win, done. We'd have our DNA, but we lost that over the summer. So, yeah, to have those sort of players back, it's just it gets you thinking. Oh, I definitely want to go to this game. You know, I've got a bit yeah. of excitement. Yes, it does. Yeah, and with. With a die and uh, Sinclair Armstrong on the pitch, we've, it's very tough to get the ball off. As if we get it up front, if we start knocking it long, it encourages us, I think, to get the ball down, go through midfield, particularly when we got Lapsley on at the same time. I think he helped make yeah. Yeah. more and a die not look better, but actually be better. If we can get it out to them, you can't get it off them because they're they're very very big strong guys and they're quick you see you don't want to get too tight because once they're past you they're past you so that and i'm strong as well up front all right having yeah, them freezing see, and, yeah change the whole game i was a little bit disappointed having kind of read all week that Wrexham yeah. were terrified of oh god i hope talkie don't have anybody pacey out wide because that's the one thing we can't deal with that we didn't start with those two all right i know more hasn't played for six months a die's been out but like run them for an hour we haven't got a game for a fortnight so just go right lads I'm sorry about this you're starting the game you're going to be blowing out of your hoop after an hour and then I'll hook you rather than here's 15 minutes go and go and change the game because they did they changed the game and it worked could we perhaps have been two or three nil up after an hour with those two starting and then you go ultra defensive and go right go on and wreck them throw as many long balls into the box as you like. We've got five, seven, we've brought Ali Omar on who can just head the ball away, kick the ball away. Brilliant, off you go. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I think they've probably benefited from their opposition, from their defenders being tired as well. That probably mm-hmm. helped. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we often say, oh, well, we shouldn't pick that quick player because he's good off the bench. And, he, he, you know, and I think, that's probably often wrong and actually you should start with them. But I think maybe in this case, particularly if you take fitness into account as well, it sort of makes sense. I've only ever seen a die off the bench. And so that's not to say, obviously, that you can't start because professional football, you can play nine minutes football. But um, yeah, I think I can understand why they weren't, they weren't starting. And I probably would have brought them on a bit earlier because we were so boring for the first hour. Um, but... Yeah, at the end of the day, it, the, the tactic worked because, well, it worked in the sense that it got us back into the game. So, um, obviously, ideally, we wouldn't have been behind in the first place, but I'm not sure a die or uh, more would have stopped a long throw being chucked into the box and us failing to deal with it. No, that's, that's almost certainly right, isn't it? Yeah, OK, fair enough. Well, done. turns out Gary Johnson does know more about football than I do. Who knew? Um, well, I think the only thing really that we probably need to talk about is what happened after we scored um, and the decision that led to that. I haven't yet met anybody. For those of you who, for some reason, don't know, um, 
for the first time since 1980, uh, football team supporters had stuff chucked at them, coins and bottles and drinks and lighters and all sorts of shit. Um, because we were celebrating the fact that our team had done what they turned up to do and scored a goal. And it seems that people in Wrexham have started mating with vegetables and that offspring has decided to, to turn up at Wrexham FC yesterday. Um, you're a disgrace to yourselves, to your club, to football in general. No proper supporters want you at games. Please fuck off and die. I mean, yeah, it was very, very poor behaviour, and, and certainly the chucking of glass bottles is just completely unacceptable and very, very and coins and yeah, that's that was very poor behaviour. It, it was a real shame actually because for most of it, it was sort of like them giving it the bin, and we were like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know. Like I don't, I don't mind them seeing them talking about it everywhere they go for ninety minutes, and I enjoy seeing it back to them when we scored. But um, I, yeah, obviously. Um, that was a massive step over the line, and and it, it does sully what was a, a sort of good away day atmosphere. Of well, actually, maybe I'm speaking for myself and not for other people, but I quite enjoy when it's a little bit sort of like confrontational, if maybe is the right word. Um, maybe that probably that probably is me speaking as a as a well built white man, and it might be different if I was a child or if I was a woman. Um, but for for the majority of the game, I thought it was in good nature, and then it very much. Uh, became sour, and that was very uh, disappointing. I thought, yeah, enormously so. Um, Wrexham have issued a statement, and they've said that it'll be investigated. I did see George Edwards, our CEO, afterwards talking to somebody that I presume was Wrexham's head of security or the chief policeman at the game, whatever. Um, so I know that we reported it immediately. I did hear, then hear him say that he had that was why he was over on this side of the ground to report that you know we weren't happy. Um, I've said on Twitter today that we've made an official complaint to the National League. If anybody from Wrexham is listening, don't seat home supporters behind away supporters. It, it is, what are you, stupid? Have you not been to football before? The minute I walked in at 10 past two, I went, well, this isn't a stupid idea, isn't it? You can't have home fans behind away fans. They'll chuck stuff. And lo and behold, they chuck stuff. So, you, do have to, you do have to wonder what, how a glass bottle got into the ground. I mean, well, I... I you don't, because I wasn't searched when I came in. I could. No, only... well, I wasn't searched either, and that's yeah. And I sort of yeah. No, that that is the answer. Um, I don't really want sort of uh, football grounds to become like airports where you have to get sort of patted down and then everything checked. But it does, yeah, it does pose a question of well, should that be happening? Because that is really dangerous, and you, you just want to you just want to trust football fans to be to be a bit more sensible and not. You do. In fairness, I went to the night before the Friday night, I went to the ice hockey in Manchester and P&I sit because the Manchester Storm have made a policy decision to move where the away fans are housed. P&I actually sit in the away block. We sit in the top corner of the away block. It was the big derby, Manchester versus Sheffield. They don't particularly like each other historically. It goes back to when Manchester used to play in the arena in the early 90s. These clubs don't like each other. We stood in the away block, we cheered when Manchester scored and we booed when Sheffield scored and Sheffield beat Manchester in, in a way and not a thing was thrown, nobody gesticulated at anybody. It was so comfortable that even with two minutes to go 
in a tight game. The only two stewards in the place came and sat next to the away block for the purposes of ushering the away supporters out of the correct exit, not to keep us apart for any reason. And the steward, to the wrong tune, which aggravated me, started chanting 8-7, we're going to win 8-7, with two minutes to go from 7-4 down. And everybody was perfectly comfortable with that. I can't. I know that a lot of people who go to Altrincham Football Club go to the Manchester Storm Hockey because the two grounds are 500 yards apart. Why people at football can't be trusted, but at hockey they can. What is it about football that attracts the stupidest, Neanderthaliest members of our society, and why do they feel emboldened to behave like that? Well, I don't actually expect you to have an answer. No, I don't know. It's a cultural thing, isn't it? I think people get pissed more at the football as well, don't they? But I, I'm, I'm assuming. I've never been to a soccer game, but I'm, I'm assuming there's more. Uh, uh, you can drink in the stands at hockey. Yeah, well, that's probably why you can't do that at, at football at a decent level, wasn't it? But um, or or a shit level in our, in our case. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a cultural thing, and it's um, a real shame because we've not really had any problems this season or for a while and um well there are a few Chesterton fans aren't there but anyway yeah um it's a real shame Was it about Chesterfield? I thought the supporters coach had some stuff yeah. chat to them afterwards. I did I wouldn't run it. Okay, fair enough. Well there you go. So it's it's not good. Um please don't do it again. It's not funny. We're not asked we get the same number of points whether you chuck stuff out or not. Um so and one day you might you know Millwall in the cup chuck stuff at them see what happens <laughs> yeah um, or Chelsea or Portsmouth or West Ham or any other traditional like double hard clubs so you know you wouldn't do it to them don't do it to us um, I think unless anybody has any burning issues I think we've done Wrexham to death no? I, I will just say I will just say sorry um, I thought Sean McDonald was really good um, despite not having much many saves to make I thought he claimed a lot of long throws and crosses really well and uh, I've seen a lot of talking defences who would have conceded plenty more from those areas than we did yesterday. And particularly, well, yeah. there was a very, very late one where it was the throw was probably eight or nine yards outside of his box and he just came through a big crowd, really high, two hands, on the floor, thanks for coming. And that, I thought that was brilliant because you don't always see that from goalkeepers. And no. that sets the good ones apart from the bad ones, I think, sort of dominance of their box. So, yeah. He, well, um, he he has improved so much as a goalkeeper in the last, well, three years. We've had him two, three years. Um, yeah. right? he's, he's more than good enough to be our number one in this division. Um, I thought a lot of periods of last season he was very good. He had a few wobbly games and obviously Cobb came back. But if you think how where Coblin has gone now, you think McDonald was playing instead of him quite a lot. I know Coblin was injured for a spell. You know, McDonald is more than good enough. And I'm sure that if we can loan out Marston or whatever, I don't see as obviously getting rid of Holstead, being able to offload him. Time down to a proper contract in the deal because I believe is he month to month. I would guess that's what I'm told, but, it's not, but I don't we don't know that. Idea. But uh, yeah, he he has been a credit to himself and improving every game. So yeah, I'm delighted to yeah. hear that. He's been brilliant. Yes, he has. Um, congratulations to Maka, who yeah, who genuinely has been good. Uh, special mention Joe Lewis yesterday, who despite as bad as we were, we're just going through all the players now, aren't we? Joe Lewis very very good yesterday. 
Um, I think it was him that made the tackle in the first half for the one that definitely wasn't a penalty. No, they... no, it was the, the lemon. It was the lemon and it was a fantastic was tackle. Yes, I don't know what he was doing there, but it was a brilliant challenge. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it was. Yeah, no, nailed on. You could see from the away block the, the angle that the ball went out, the way the, the, yeah. the, ball, the direction the ball took to go out for a corner. Definitely a corner. The one in the second half they were all appealing for and I've seen some of them still playing the penalty. Uh, generously... He tripped over his own feet. Ingenerously, he looked over his shoulder, saw where the ref was, and slung himself over with no talking yeah. player within. I thought he was very lucky not to get a booking himself for that. For yeah. the yeah. 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 particularly since he did spin round immediately, put his arms up, like "Come on, ref, give me the." And the referee just wasn't having it. Ref, I thought was good yesterday. Didn't didn't put up any nonsense. Quite rightly booked Moxie for taking the piss with that throw later yeah, on. That's funny. Was three attempts, like, no, go, move back. Dummy it, isn't it? It was so good. Yeah, yeah P did turn to me because she's not been going to football for like a million years, so she just doesn't quite intrinsically. And she said, are you not allowed to dummy a throw in then? I said, well, you're not allowed to dummy a throw in three times. Not when you're taking a massive run up every time as well. <laughs> yeah, with two seconds to go when it's one all away. Yeah, no, that's what you're not allowed to do. So, yeah, um, congratulations to, to the players who played really well yesterday. Shame on those who didn't. Um, I think we're done. I'm going to hand over now to uh, the interview with Liam Davis. You're going to hear some slightly different voices having a chat with Liam Davis. Don't miss this because as good as the last episode was, this one's this half of the chat is even more interesting. This is the second part of the Liam Davis special. And we jump straight back in with our podcasters, Sam Drift, Nick French and Rowena Williams, along with Liam Davis shortly after a drinks break. We hope you enjoy it. A little drink break as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, watching the United, I'm watching United Liverpool at the minute as well. So. Yeah, oh, lots of God. sad Man United fans on my group chat, which makes me happy. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I got a score score. 3-0 Liverpool. Oh, is it 3-0 now? Yeah, Sal- Salah just scored. Who did you uh, support growing up, Liam? I actually support Man United, but since I've not kicked the ball, I've kind of just not looked at football for a little while. A so, yeah, everyone said, you're from London. You support, why you support Man United? You're a glory hunter. And I'm like, nah, Ryan Giggs was my idol. So Well, I, I'm not from Torquay and look what I ended up with. So. <laughs> I remember yeah, we went, when we got promoted to League One, a boy in my class at school turned around and said, oh, you're such a glory supporter. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a Ravens fan. Team, isn't it? I, mean, I think there's a reason why. You don't always need to live in the place. Sometimes you might be, you might have a, you know, an affection for a certain player. You might like the way a certain player does his job or, you know, you just might like the way the team plays. It might suit your personality type. So... I think there's different reasons why, but mine literally was just because I used to love Ryan Giggs as a young player. Is that who you sort of like grew up modeling your, your sort of game on? Yeah, it was definitely him. And then when I was Probably young, not I was anymore. Like, nah, <laughs> Giggsy turned left back now. Nah, so, yeah, I used to be a winger anyway. I was actually a left winger in my heyday. And then I remember playing with some older senior pros, and all they were doing was pulling me back to defend. And I remember just always being knackered. And then when I got the ball, I was always knackered. So I thought to myself, left back got injured one time. I said, I might as well go left. I might as well go left back. And then I just thought, I just found I got the ball more. I was like, I'm getting the ball a lot more here than when I'm on the wing. And I was able to do the same runs and stuff. So I quite liked it there. 
and I can well, defend anyway because I was. It defending. wasn't Gary Johnson who turned you into a left back because he has a habit of taking players who play anywhere else and playing them at left back. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it was um. It first happened when I was at Coventry City. It was Ian Dowie. I think he first saw it, and I was kind of laughing when he said, "Oh, you're going to play left back today." It was like in a resi game, and he said, "You're going to play left back today," and I was like. So I didn't even take it seriously. I was just getting the ball and was running past the winger, doing step overs, just, just enjoying. I was thinking, I've got so much space here. And then they just started playing me there. And then I've just ended up being... So some managers like me as a winger, some left back, some wing back. It, whoever the manager is, um, is, is where I play. Whoever the manager is, prefers me in different positions on the left. What did, what did you prefer? What was your, your preferred position? Um, this is always a tough question because in certain teams, I did prefer playing left back in certain teams, but I had to, I have to be allowed to attack. If I'm being that boring left back that has to kick out the channels, I'm not interested. But then other, other teams playing in, I'd like to play left wing back. And as a left winger, you're always tracking back anyway. So... You put me effectively, but I think left wing back probably suits my athleticism a bit more than just being on the wing. What was it like playing at left back with Jake Andrews on the left wing in front of you? Um, he aged me by about seven years. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he was hard work. I mean, he's got a good left foot in that, but he's a lazy bugger. So it was just a bit like, I effectively felt like I was on the left by myself certain times because I was kind of overlapping him, then having to get back past him to defend. And I was had to, had to say to him, Jake, you need to liven up. But, you know, because we were winning at the time and he'd, he'd set up a lot of goals and scored scored quite a few, kind of could get away with it. And I just thought, you know, it's keeping me fit anyway. So He's a, he's a <laughs> drifter. You you see that when he plays. He He's supposed to be on the left wing, but he always ends up in that sort of just that inside li- channel. That, that little pocket, yeah. That little bet, safety pocket. And I'll bet Dean Moxie loves him for it at 37. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's not easy playing with... You have to have a, an athletical left-back playing with him if he's going to be doing that. I think it, it, you, you've got to have a left-winger that can run or a left-back that can run. If you've got two that are not really great runners, then it's difficult, I think, at any level. Yeah, I mean, in fairness yeah, was, to in fairness to Mox, he's he's incredibly fit at 37 years old. Yeah, yeah, he's a fit 37 year old, isn't he? So yeah, like he's got the experience anyway. So a lot of the football matches will be played upstairs with him anyway in his head. So he, he'll see things before it's happened, and that sometimes you don't even need pace for that kind of quality. Do you know what I mean? And that kind of uh, experience. So, um, but Jake, he's playing like he's 37 at the moment. He's only getting in them pockets. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's it. Nah, Jake. Me, Jake's a funny guy. He's all right, man. Um, but yeah, nah, he, yeah. He's, some games were tough. Some games were all right. Just to answer your question, so I went off a bit there. Yeah, I was interested. Um, <laughs> Ro, did you want to? Yeah, something we did want to have a quick chat with you about today was obviously during lockdown. You know, um, and COVID, we've seen players taking the knee in the Premiership. Um, and it's quite interesting now seeing that some some players are starting to stop doing that 
Um, mm. I think some people see it as perhaps more of a gesture than having much of an impact. And so we just kind of wanted to see, we wanted to ask you really about your experiences um, playing lower league. Um, if you ever experienced any racist comments um, during the games or from managers or other players or staff um, or, or fans as well. Um, just generally what your experiences were of that. Yeah, I never directly heard anything racist, but there was a racist comment made towards me. I got two yellow cards. It was at Oxford. I got two yellow cards. And as I'm walking off, I don't hear it, but apparently a fan said something. But I only found out on the Monday when the chairman's pulled me into the office and spoke to me and said, you know, we're going to do an article about what happened on Saturday. And then I was like, oh, I know I got two yellows, but it weren't that bad. <laughs> but then, the, then he's like, no, the other thing that happened. And I was like, what other thing? And then he was like, well, the fan was being racist. And I was like, I didn't hear nothing. He was like, yeah, um, a couple of other fans went to boo him in because he was shouting something. And then there was an off-duty police officer that obviously protected the guy. Um, and then, yeah, he just said he was banned for life. He said something like that anyway. It was, well, he got banned from the stadium and just pretty petty what he said really I don't know if I should really it's just nothing but it was just a bit petty it was just like just thinking but with regards to the taking of the knee I think that at the time it was a powerful gesture because of what everyone saw for seven or ten, was it nine minutes of video footage from a law enforcement officer who's supposed to protect people doing that to someone who's effectively helpless on the floor I think showed people who didn't really understand racism, this is racism. And because it's on video and you can see it, it's like, wow, this is actually happening. And, you know, people of color or people that have experienced racism, black people, whatever, you know, we watch that thinking, okay, this is terrible, but this is stuff we've seen before. And it was people that haven't seen stuff like that before. It was almost like, it was, it hit them. And I think with the, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and people kneeling before the games, I think it was to show that everyone's unified in the, in the fight against racism that's been going on, what we keep talking about all the time. The FA have been trying for years to try and combat it. And it seems to me still happening in football sports used and, and online and stuff like that but yeah it's just you know it's, we say that people need educating but you know there's always going to be ignorant people in the world yeah I mean I think I think Nick and I both talked about the actual only time I've outrightly heard racism at football mm. is actually in at Playmore um oh, was it? it's when I was really little and I heard yeah, yeah um and my dad sort of moved us away um but it was mm. a little bit almost even before kick it out so it's really positive for me to hear that like the mm. the crowd did something um when it happened yes. happened to you and, and that the stewards did something as well um mm. because when I heard it and this was you know this was 20 years ago um no one did anything nobody yeah. in the crowd or, or stewards did anything so it's really positive to hear that when that negative thing happened to you that like yeah. that that some action was taken um, and personally, I feel, you know, if anybody is caught doing anything racist in, in a football ground, they're yeah. just banned from all stadiums, you know, there's like an almost... Yeah. It's um, just a weird scenario, I think, because sometimes you're hearing 
you're not hearing from the fans, but I'm sometimes you're hearing stories of the players' own fans are being racist, which I think that's strange. I mean, you're paying your money to watch your team, knowing that there's black players playing, and then you're going to be shouting remarks that's going to affect their performance on the pitch, which is going to make you more unhappy going home on a Saturday knowing your team's lost. So for me, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, if I want my team to win, I should be saying positive and you know, uplifting comments to help my team win on the Saturday rather than derogatory comments. So it does confuse me. It was just like, and if, you know, people are around racist people in the stadiums, I'm not saying they should, you know, physically do anything to them, but it's, it's almost a difficult scenario because the steward probably isn't paid enough to get in a fight with someone. And they, they might not want to be getting involved in a fight and themselves get hurt and, people around them will probably just stand back from them. So um, they would, then people get dealt with accordingly. But it has improved from probably the 70s, from the stories I've heard of banana skins getting thrown on the pitches and stuff like that. We're in a totally different space, but there's still a lot more to do, I think. Um, yeah, know. I mean, I I heard and almost got in a fight at Playmore once because I heard something and... and... Well essentially you've got you know you've got two choices haven't you you either keep quiet or you say something and you speak up um and i i didn't feel comfortable saying nothing at all so it was essentially turning around to somebody and saying either cut that shit out that kind of language that that attitude out or go go i I mean we called a steward up and yeah and this bloke this bloke got got kicked out but i don't because there's no evidence there's nothing to back it up it's just the fact that i heard it yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. it's it's really difficult to to get any kind of action taken when you get the. I mean, obviously after the Euros and everything, when some of the the black players who missed the penalties for England were getting all this abuse online. Yeah. That that, that there's obviously it, it is it's it's abhorrent the, the the stuff that was being said. It's just cowardly. These are these are people who wouldn't say it to your face. They they wouldn't they wouldn't say anything like that in 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 any. This other is the scary life. thing. This is the scary thing. I mean you could sign someone's autograph and then that same person's going online saying their deep feelings about you as a person. And it's just strange. And with the England thing, when it happened, it was, I was watching it thinking some racial stuff's going to come from this. Like I was actually watching it and thinking, and even my mind to think like that is terrible that I should even have thought that, but you just know that, there's a select few idiots that, you know, are going to go on the keyboards and start typing stupid stuff. And, and yeah, so we're past that anyway. Um, the players are back at their clubs doing, enjoying their football. And, you know, Do you know what? It was, it was great as well to see in pre-season friendlies, like the Spurs fans clapping um, Saka back onto the oh, pitch okay. and, yeah. and things like that was just, it was, it was actually quite heartwarming to see the, the reaction that like the wider sort of football family, yeah, if you like, exactly. had to it. Um, but I, I, like you say, I don't get the kind of abuse that gets leveled at, at players anyway, or some of the words that get used. I mean, I, again, and I haven't said this to anybody yet, but when we had our FA Cup game against Haven't last week, mm. there was, there was somebody, one, one player went down quite easily and somebody in front of me said, booking ref he's acting like a and and made a made a kind of homophobic comment okay 
And you kind yeah. of go, what, what has that got to do with anything? You yeah, know, I mean, to me, if if you'd made a mistake playing left back, or if Nico had made a mistake when he was yeah. playing left back, it makes absolutely no difference what color your skin is. Like, yeah, this is yeah, it. okay, yeah, okay, you fucked up. There might be a groan, yeah. but to to go any further than that is just I I, I hate it. I, I I can't I can't tell you, but like yeah. where you've got obviously the the taking the knee thing, where maybe sort of every player doing it at every ground as as it's great to keep it in the in the news, but potentially sort of some players. I know like Zaha's stopped doing it because he feels like it's losing its impact. Yeah, yeah. And, think, and obviously yeah. you've got Marcus Alonso, I think, who's who's stopped doing it as well for Chelsea. Yeah. And as much as you kind of go, it's really good to be keeping it in the in the the news. Actually, these players who are individually one by one starting to sort of go, actually, I won't do it. Yeah. Almost almost refreshes that conversation every time. Yes, um, it's a difficult one, again, because there have been teams early on that stopped doing it. And it was like the manager probably thought, I'm not interested in politics. Some managers probably thought, I don't care about taking a knee. Some managers may have thought, you know, back then it might have been losing its impact, but it was never going to be going on forever. I don't think I always thought it was going to have a sell-by date and its sell-by date seems to be coming to an end because effectively if players are thinking nothing's getting done and it's not changing nothing. I mean, Raheem Sterling the other week, was it when he played Hungary? He's getting, you know, someone he knows that knows that's died. He's pulled off his shirt in tribute to the young lady that died and he's getting stuff thrown at him and racial remarks um, thrown his way. So, then at the beginning of the game, you're getting on the knee. Then you're thinking, why am I doing it? It's not changing nothing, me getting on the knee, you know, but so maybe that's how they think. What do you think needs to happen to bring some change, to actually enact some change, um, to move this conversation on, you know, to, to, to see some, I mean, for me, you know, you bring up hungry fans. And I actually can't believe that they're in any competitions at this point. Their behaviour during the Euros was terrible. They held up homophobic, um, they did a homophobic chant. They held up homophobic flags as well. For me, I feel like there needs to be bigger punishments. Like if Hungarian fans are consistently racist or homophobic or anything, that that country doesn't play in competitions. But it'd be interesting to see what you think needs to happen to actually make some change. I think it's such a difficult. Again, I keep saying it's a difficult one, but it is because you got to think. Let's put it this way: England. Uh, doing well in the competition. Let's say we go back to the World Cup where we was getting through, getting through, and then a punishment for racist fans are your team gets disqualified. So you've got 50,000 English fans there and two idiots decide to create something in the, st- in the stands and start shouting racist, racist, aggressive abuse. Then England get thrown out of the competition. Is that fair on all the other fans and fair on um, the team? I would say no. Would that deter other people from doing stuff? No, because there's still going to be idiots that are going to go to the ground and think, I'm going to get this team. For, like, it could, be, it could be a fan from another team. If I'm an Arsenal, an Arsenal fan, I go to Tottenham ground and then start shouting silly things. And then, do you know what I mean? So I just think everyone needs to, like when you go to the airport, everyone should have identification when you go into grounds of some sort. Might cost money to do all of this, but 
then everyone's got their seat numbers, everyone's got their allocation in the stands. If there's something racial, there should be cameras monitoring stadiums in the in the in the in the in the fans. Because then then people can be selected and and shown they've been racist and then they don't come back again. As opposed to other everyone getting punished for one idiot. That's how I think. I mean, will that cost a lot of money? Mm, maybe not. I don't think it'll be that much money. You've got cameras watching the match. You can have cameras watching the stadium. So yeah, I guess I, I guess with with Premiership, you've got that in place. I think that's a bit easier. I guess with places like Torquay, you, you turn up yeah. on, on the day, you buy a ticket, you stand wherever you want, you move around. Um, yeah, true. Yeah. So it's quite um, interesting. Yeah, but difficult. I think definitely something that like I learned over the last year is to be a bit more of an ally. Like I always yeah. thought it was enough to just, I'm not a racist person and I would yeah. call out someone being racist in front of me. I have done in the past. But um, I think the rest of the time I stayed quite quiet. And yeah. I think as we're seeing with lots of things, conversations around women as well, as I've always said, and, and we've had these conversations on this pod, we need men to get behind our message, you know, yeah, to, in order for, for people to really hear us, um, which, because we all need to be working together to make a nicer society. And I think for me, that that's what needs to happen with racism as well. Um, and yeah. football seems to have a, still have quite an ugly relationship with racism at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's uh, so many different things to tackle, like you're saying, um, with you know, like women's rights and, you know, um, everyone accepting people for who they are with regards to, you know, same-sex couples and racism. And there's so much different um, categories of things where as humans, we need to improve our mindset on. And it comes from, like we've heard before, education. But how do you educate some of these football fans that go into the if we're still we're still talking about the racist thing obviously but how do you educate them maybe at half time do you play videos you've got a screen at Turkey you play videos about if you see this report this like you can have subliminal messages around the stadium to make people aware of things I think you can have posters you know you can have there's different things you can have we used to wear the kick it out t-shirt that was just a gesture. Like it was just, oh, lads, wear the kick it out t-shirt today. You pull it on and then you do your warm up and you take it off. It's, did anything change? Did fans look at the t-shirt and think, oh, that means something? Or did fans look at the t-shirt and think they've got a different color t-shirt on, a warm up t-shirt on today? So I think you can put more into what type of message you're gonna um, try and make, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I spent time when I was in Australia and they, they had a lot of like anti-racism stuff within their ground. So at the MCG, they used to have uh, around the whole of one of the tiers, you could, you a number that you could text with the area of the ground that you were in, the block, the seats. Hey. So if you wanted to anonymously report that something was going on, yeah. you could do that as it was happening. And, yeah, smart, to be fair. And, and, then, and then people could come into that sort of area like... Um, they used to have like undercover stewards and things that would come and yeah, yeah. stand in and around that area who could then observe and see if anything was happening because mm. there used to be a lot of like this sort of sexist and racist abuse down there but mm. it was nice to know that you could without having to call it out yourself when you could be an individual and there could be a group of people so actually having that that anonymous way of being able to report it yeah. um, felt a lot safer for for me because I was there on my own a lot of the time Okay, and yeah, yeah. it's it's not going to be the, the best thing to do when you've got a load of guys who have been drinking all day 
and yeah, you kind of go, I mean? oh, you shouldn't really be saying that. That's not very yeah. nice. And <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. it. This, but that's a smart idea. That's but again, that costs money. I mean, our team is going to dedicate a line to a phone line to selecting. A lot of it is is funding and. People have got to be willing to accept it, though. People have got, like, clubs have got to be willing to accept that something needs to be done about it. And, you know, when UEFA will quite happily fine you sort of, I don't know, a million pounds for, you know, having a couple of badly behaved fans. But then if you have racist abuse that's chanted by hundreds of people and, and they're throwing things at players and they get a couple of thousand, it doesn't send the right message out. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's got to change really from the top down. But I think people have got to, you know, managers have got to look at it more as well. But not to get into another topic, but there probably still is racism in football, indirect racism within football. So if you're at a club where, you know, you're a minority and the hierarchy might be, you know, not necessarily for change then it's not going to happen because it's within the club anyway do you know what I mean so there's there's so many different aspects of it and I do think that it is slowly changing and a lot of the black players and players that have suffered things are doing the right things they're not they're carrying on playing they're doing things to help the cause off the pitch you know you've got Rashford trying to do a lot for it's totally away from football. He's trying to help underprivileged kids. And, you know, you've got Raheem doing loads of different charity stuff. So they're all trying to do positives and show that, you know, we're black, we're black people and we're trying to do positive things, you know. Um, and I think that should help change people's opinions on, on them. It's really interesting listening to all that. Um, I mean, because I feel like I've never... I've never heard racism directly at a football ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a bit younger, so I wasn't kind of around as much. I mean, I, to be fair, I remember my first ever game. One of the things my dad told me, because it was me and my dad went to our first game together. Mm-hmm. Um, and we played Oldham and they had a flag that said like England for the English. And he had a real t- kind of, and it was kick it out weekend as well. And he had a real, actually, I really want Torquay to win because they're fans. That's yeah. a really bad thing. But it just, it feels like there's so much still to do and we all have such a big part in playing in it. You know, like Nick says and and Rose says, if you hear anything, just call it out. You know, even if you don't Mm. want to talk to them directly, if you're not, I know a lot of people that aren't confrontational feel very nervous about calling that person out directly. You know, go and say to a steward, look, that person over there has just said this, that, you know, you've got it, that something's got to be done about that. So it's really interesting hearing your views and the fact that, like I say, there is so much, so much still left still to do. Yes, yeah, it's, it's tough because, you know, if, you, if you're there with your son or your young child or your girlfriend and you're right next to a guy who you don't know is racist until something happens and it shows his true colours, what are you going to do? Are you going to potentially get in a fight? over something someone said you're going to call the steward sometimes the stewards ain't really interested either because they're not paid enough to be getting into a fight they're there just to kind of wear a jacket and kind of just tell people sit down and you know 
they're not paid enough. Sometimes they're volunteering. So if I was a volunteer and there's an aggressive guy shouting racist abuse who's drunk, am I going to want to potentially get into a fight where I could get injured, hurt, over... I don't know how much they're getting paid to do a game. Like I said, sometimes they don't even get paid. So, you know, it, 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 it is a very difficult one. Then you've got the other side of it. If a player heard racism and he jumped into the stand and, and, and done, you know, done some stuff to the, to the culprit, would everyone look at that black player as, oh, he's so aggressive? Or would they look at, it? well, he, he was provoked. Like, it's, you know, then he's looked at differently as well. Um, you got to be professional, obviously, but you can imagine if someone's constantly saying something, then, you know, some everyone's different. A lot of footballers are from working class backgrounds and grew up on the street and saw different things. And that wouldn't be tolerated away from the workplace. So, you know, it's, it's just a different, it's just different. It's different. That isn't it. Because yeah. you had, you had um, is it Eric Dyer that went into the crowd because someone was giving his brother yeah. a load of abuse there? Well, this is it. Do you know and, what I mean? And then the message goes out that Eric Dyer gets a four-game ban because he's gone and confronted someone who's abusing a member of his family. This, and this is it. And this is where sometimes it's not fair because the footballer gets punished because he's supposed to be the role model. But people forget sometimes as a footballer, you're human. And you cry just like the next man, and you get hungry just like the next man, and you get happy. Do you know what I mean? You've got the same emotions as another human being, but yet you have to sit there and take something like that. If my I always friend, think it's like important you know, to put footballers into your normal working environment as well. Like, would any of us yeah. at work having abuse shout at us about the way we look or the colour of our skin or our sex? You know, it's this like is, this is it. <laughs> that's mad. That's football. Mad. You have to you have to be very thick skinned in in the football industry. I mean. Even in the dressing room, you'll come in to, to, to training, to come into work. And if you've got an awful tracksuit or trainers on, they'll be like, there'll be some, I've seen some laces cut. I've seen trainers hanging up on the light. Like, <laughs> it's, it's actually quite funny. I've been at grounds where the opposition fans are like, when you've gone to take a throw and they're saying, Davis, you're rubbish. Or, but you just laugh with them because it's, it's just funny. It's just banter. And when, when you laugh back, they kind of laugh with you. But the racial side is not funny. That's not kind of jokes and games. So you do have to be thick skin. And I think fans are allowed to vent their opinion, but you, you got to, you know, you, you can't be venting racial abuse as, as, as your opinion on something, especially if it's to do football. If someone says I'm rubbish because I've kicked the ball off the pitch or whatever, or lost the ball four times in a row, and someone says I'm rubbish, I can't have offence to that because that's their opinion on what I'm doing on the pitch. My colour of skin sh shouldn't affect the way I'm playing or shouldn't affect your opinion on why I've done a particular action on the pitch, you know? So, yeah, it's, in that respect, I just think um, let's get rid of them, to be honest. Thanks so much for sharing your views on that. It's been mm. really, really interesting to hear. Yeah, yeah that's cool. I wasn't, uh, I thought I'd touch on it a little bit. I didn't want to go too deep into it, but, you know, everyone's got an opinion and, um, yeah, I just try and say what I think. But, you know, I'm from a multicultural family myself, so I kind of know the struggle, you know, how, like my gran, weirdly, my gran was a white, a white lady and, you know, she was dealing with a lot of stuff back in the 60s. So, you know, I know quite how things are so yeah 
Flacco can talk on the matter. It's been really interesting learning, actually, from, yeah. from everything you said. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful for you uh, sharing everything with us, actually. Um, I don't think I've got any other questions myself. Has anyone? No, that's it from me, thanks. No, yeah, re- really, really appreciate you coming on, Liam. And um, it's been it's been great sort of reminiscing about the sort of the, the, the good times as well as um as obviously the the more difficult side of things. But um, you know, just hope you're in a in a good place now and um you know, and it'd be great to see you back at Playmore one day. Yeah, I think I'm gonna let you guys know when I'm coming back so you lot can do a secret surprise for me when I, <laughs> I'm just gonna run onto the pitch and now I, I think I need to come back, but I, I want to wait when the team's doing well, so it's like good vibes and stuff. Do you know what I mean? No, so you're a glory supporter. If, if, you, if you come back, yeah, when the come team's back, doing rubbish. Walk, on the, walk on the pitch, start clapping everyone, giving it away. Nah, if, you come I, back, I, if you come back when we're having a having a bad run, though, Liam, everyone will kind of go, "Oh God, do you remember? Oh, I wish Liam was still here." Yeah, that's that. Sometimes it's, it's just not nice. It's like it's just because I get upset, and then when they're winning, it's like you know. Oh, you're right they're not saying we wish you were still playing so it's just you can come there and just be on a different vibe but yeah no I am going to come back I'm just trying to think when's the best time but I don't know if I should just come back and just sit in the stands or come back and try and make an appearance as in go on the pitch and stuff I don't know I think it would be really nice once they once they start doing like a half-time draw back on the pitch and something like that yeah. just to because everybody would love to show their appreciation and I know that full well that yeah. You know, obviously the way things ended weren't great, and and we didn't we didn't get to to sort of give you a send off or anything like that. Um, you know, and it was pro- probably highlighted in the playoff final by the fact that we had yeah. you know had issues on the left hand side as well. So, yeah. um, you know, now I think if you if you do get the opportunity to come back, and even if it's just doing the draw or something before the before a game or something like that, it would be it'd be really good just to to sort of for everyone to show their appreciation. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, like, like I said, I let you guys know. And um, maybe you can start a little, get a little momentum behind it, and then everyone just be ready for me to come, <laughs> come back. Sort the guard of honor out, um, and I pick I pick a raffle ticket out of my hat or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, once again, th- thanks for coming on, and and like we say, just thanks for everything you did for the club. You you were a real fan favorite, and uh, like you pointed out, probably the only uh, you're probably the only other tall key player to ever play every game in a title winning season. So uh, you can have yeah. the unofficial title of, uh, of that, if you like. Um, yeah. Ian no, Twitching but... Award. Yeah. Got... <laughs> have you got one of those? Yeah, they gave me the Ian Twitching Award for that. That's good. Um, boots and laces. Ah, boots and laces. I'm there, I'm there a little bit sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like Nick says, best of luck for, for everything in the future. And, and we do yeah. genuinely hope to see you back, back at playing more one day. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, guys, and uh, thanks for your time today. Ha, see, I told you it was good. <laughs>